Oh, so I have a funny story from the holidays, actually. All right. So all year, my family's been hearing about these carnitas I've been making. Okay. I've been working on my carnitas recipe. Yeah. And so... Are you going to share it? I go to... Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I stole it from Abuela's Kitchen YouTube channel, so... <laughs> uh, but, so they've been hearing about this carnitas recipe, so my dad wants me to to cook it. Uh, a lot of my, my family, they don't like spicy food or, or things like that. Um, so when I, whenever I go around, my dad's like cook all the spicy food for me. And so, um, I got two cans of adobo. You know what adobo sauce is? Yes. Oh, I know the the seasoning, the spice. Well, so the adobo sauce is basically just, it's just, um, uh, uh, God, my, my mind right now. The adobo sauce is is like a smoky jalapeno chipotle uh, sauce, basically. Oh, that's totally different than than the the spice. The spice is like this weird salty MSG uh, thing. Okay. Yeah, this is very different. So, yeah, so it's basically uh, what I believe to be our jalapenos that were basically charred and they put in put into like a chipotle sauce. Um, so it's like a saucy uh, mixture with with. Uh, just jalapeno peppers in there, right? Um, so I get the pork shoulder. I rub it down with two cans of this adobo sauce. Uh, put it in the pressure cooker. Cook it till it falls apart, right? So that's basically it. Pretty simple. Yeah, it's pretty. It's really simple. And then before, I guess what makes it good is before serving. Uh, instead of serving like the wet, like the you pull the pull the meat apart and just serve it like that, what you do is you just crisp it up in a pan. So you can throw a pan on the on the on the stove and get it really hot and then throw some meat on it and it it separates and gets really crispy, which is how I like it. Mm. Just like toss a little salt on it then. So you don't have to like, that way you don't have to dump a ton of salt into it when you're cooking it. You just dump a little bit of salt on it later. That way you, you, it tastes salty, but you get less, you're ingesting less sodium. Um, so I get this cast iron skillet ripping hot and, uh, I knew it was gonna, you know, there's going to steam a little bit. There's going to be a little, uh, uh, evaporation into the air. So I throw this, this meat onto the skillet and, uh, my mom said, yeah, just put it to like eight. I'm like, okay, I don't know her stove. Mm-hmm. So I put it to eight. I throw the meat in it and it's far too hot. And so all this Did it like explode. Well, no. So all this smoke starts coming up and it's, and it's jalapeno, like oh, ch- tear gas, chipotle, you tear gas, tear gas. the kitchen. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So every. <laughs> So everyone's like running around opening the windows like, oh my God, open the windows, turn the fans on. Uh, and so I'm just standing over the stove coughing, just cooking, uh, you know, just taking it for the team, cooking the, the carnitas for dinner. Sounds like the holidays to me. And then I did it again <laughs> three days later. <laughs> why Why do it once when you can do it twice for twice the fun? Tacos, the tacos are so good. So my sister's kids, like, like just, I guess like a lot of kids, they don't like to, they don't eat anything. They they just don't eat stuff, mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm told. And and they they uh, pounded some tacos down, so I take that oh, as a win. Shit, yeah. Good job, Uncle Uncle Sean. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I tear gas myself and the family, <laughs> including my six year old niece who was like sitting in the kitchen. Well, we got to eat tacos after, so maybe we... <laughs> that makes up for it. It's okay if we if we torture you as long as as long as it's Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Happy New Year, Sean. Happy 2020. 2020. Hindsight's 2020. What are we going to learn in 2020 that will be hindsight? Uh, 
Well, I was watching this uh, over the break. I was watching this comedian at my parents' house named uh, Shane Smith, and he was telling a joke about being in a stick somewhere, and someone told him that hindsight was worth 50 cents. <laughs> so now whenever I hear that, uh, that's all I think of. Hindsight is worth 50 cents. It's a little generous, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, 20, 2020. How was your, your break? Did you take a break? Kind of defined break. <laughs> I did don't you, know. Did man. you? I couldn't turn abstain my, from work. No, I couldn't turn my brain off. But you know, it was fine. It was just you know, fits fits in in spurts here and there. But it was fine. Uh, Christmas the family was good. Yada yada. We didn't do anything for New Year's. Uh, Jess has been using her break to paint the house, which is you know something that normal people do on their time off. It's just you know, manual hard labor. So Very productive. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's mostly done, but yeah, she was spent all of New Year's Eve painting and then was like, we're not going out. So it <laughs> didn't happen, which is totally fine by me. Uh, yeah, it's been good though. It, it honestly, like it was a good break and we, we just, I literally just got back a couple hours ago from our semi-annual, uh, business meeting, kind of retreat which i will talk a lot more about but i'm kind of feeling a little energized after that so oh that's good that's kind of that was kind of like the tail end of that break so uh yeah that's um that's kind of where i'm at right now but honestly like everything was it's not like i had to put out fires or anything everything was running really smoothly over the past couple weeks so that's been good yeah that is good despite launching like new things on you know, Christmas Eve, like you do. <laughs> yeah, I purposely didn't uh, launch anything. I was tempted to. We basically finished the big tailwind conversion uh, for our front end and, and all that stuff. So completely removing. That's awesome. Yeah, completely removing SaaS dependency. Um, just didn't. No SaaS anymore, yeah. Just tailwind and post CSS. Well, you can't say just post CSS, right? Because there's like plugins. So like are you using post CSS plugins that no. emulate SAS functionality or no? No, just whatever comes with Tailwind. Really? So you're not using any of the... See, that's... <sighs> Man, I'm su- that surprises me because like, there's a couple things from SAS that like I cannot live without. And like I've gone the post-CSS route, but I end up like adding plugins that recreate some of that missing functionality. Well, I mean, so the goal is to not write the CSS. The goal, like, the goal is to just use Tailwind's classes. Um, so, I mean, we do have some custom CSS, but that's all sprinkled around in, in view components. So we don't actually have any, uh, like CSS files with a bunch of CSS in it besides using Tailwind's apply rules to, to put some stuff together. So were you able to figure out, and last time I looked, this was not possible or like basically unfeasibly hard, unfeasibly hard. That makes sense, right? To use the apply keyword in view components are you able to do that yeah you can do that oh, okay last time i checked that was not a thing and it was really bugging me yeah i remember i remember that not being a thing either but last i checked uh well so so i don't remember what it was for but i spun up oh it was for um our sales website because our sales website uses tailwind and nuxt and uh i uh had uh, a friend of the show jaggy he's doing some contracting for us and so i had him do some work on it and when I was looking over the code, he was at, at applying in the view components. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's been sorted out somehow. I don't know personally how it's been done, but I've seen it happening in 
in code that I've looked at. That's good to know. I'm definitely going to have to revisit that because that's like, I haven't done any CSS in components, but I always wanted to, but I couldn't because of those kind of limitations. So I'm definitely going to have to look at that again. Yeah, it's been great. So like, you know, I use WebStorm and WebStorm just auto-completes all of my, even my custom Tailwind classes, it just auto-completes stuff. And I've tried it out in VS Code because Drew uses VS Code and it's got uh, Tailwind, I'm pretty sure Tailwind IntelliSense plugin you can install. So now refactoring the UIs or building new pieces, it's just like tab completing stuff. <laughs> I type three letters of a thing because now I'm just used to the classes, right? So I just type three or four letters of a, of a class and hit tab or enter and it, it just fills it. And, and right now we still have all of the Tailwind classes are prefixed with TW dash and it even works in WebStorm with that. I just TW dash three letters enter in the classes there. Oh, that's cool. So that's able to pick that up. Yeah. Uh, there's a code plugin as well that I have not spent a lot of time with. It does similar things. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But it's, it's cool because, uh, you know, Drew and Jackie are both familiar with Tailwind. I'm familiar with Tailwind. Uh, and and when we talk to when I talk to other contractors about you know working on the front end, I'm like, oh, here is an entire ecosystem around documenting how to use Tailwind. You know, so that saves hopefully saves me a lot of time. And it, I don't have to struggle with the the system that we had, even though it was largely utility class based. There was still a lot of inheritance happening through these fancy CSS selectors. So we just ditched all of it. And now we're tailwind, but I purposely didn't deploy it uh, before the break. I was hindsight of being fifty cents. I was actually like really burnt out by the end of the year last year. Well, that's good to know. And is it in? Did you get into deploying it eventually? No, no. I'm just like tweak, I'm just tweaking some stuff. So there's there's more to it. Um, uh, so we've been using Gotham forever, like for a body font. Oh, I love me some Gotham. Yeah. So we got the font files from you know, the original designers and, and, and stuff. I mean, when I showed up, they, the, it, they were already set up, right? So when we started converting over to Tailwind, uh, we were working on, like, you know, making sure the buttons looked good and the line height and all that stuff. And I noticed that no matter what I did, the text always seemed off-centered and buttons or, or like a button with an icon in it or something, things are always off-centered. So, uh, vertically or horizontally? Vertically, vertically. And so we had a designer... Uh, basically build us a new a new brand book so we have a brand new brand book some colors and fonts and type you know typefaces and stuff for 2020 that we're slowly working in so like through the sales website has their new fonts and colors we're going to slowly work that into um, the dk app as a whole which is great because now we have more than red or orange uh black and like gray you know we have more colors than than those finally um so I was like, all right, well, let's just try swapping the body font for what is defined in the brand book, which is QuickStand. And so we did, and it fixed all the line height issues. Oh, my God. So the font file, someone's been jacked up with this font file the whole time. And this whatever CSS we had been using, I guess, fixed it somehow. I I have no idea. But I'm really happy that like we're just jettisoning crap like that. It's just don't have to think about it anymore. You know, I, It's not even bothering me. I don't have to try and figure out why it was happening. I just don't care anymore. It's gone. So... Don't need to worry about it. Great. It's like a, like a splinter in your mind. Yeah. Well, Drew was like, he was going back and forth. He's like, I can't figure this out. And and I was like, well, I, you know, I can't see anything off the top of my head. And then in the back of my mind, it was like, hey, it's probably the font file. And I was like, that's, this is crazy. But Drew, what if you swipe the bomb body out or the, the font, the body font out? And he was like, oh, that was it. <laughs> so r- ridiculous. I love it. That's a win-win. 
the point I guess was like, I just didn't deploy it. So I'm making some small tweaks here and there working on trying to get some, put some accessibility back in focus and hover styles and all that stuff. So just tweaking it a bit, but it's largely ready to go. Awesome. So backing up, how was your break? I didn't do anything. I think, yeah, Lindsay, I think Neo is pretty stressed out. And so she forbade, I mean, we all had a pretty good break. Like, I think it was like a straight week plus a few days. And I, and, and we had some flex days in the middle and I was, I just happened to be traveling on those days. So I didn't work either. I just slept on the plane, which was good. And, uh, so I didn't do anything, um, work related that is DK. Um, I did do some other things though. Uh, so friend of the show, Greg, uh, Greg Shear has, has been talking about go to me for a while. And so I was like, Hey, maybe I'm just going to poke around with going for a little bit over the break. And, uh, so that's what I did. I would take my mom out to a coffee shop and she would hack on view and I would hack on go. And, um, it was pretty fun, refreshing. That's pretty cool. Uh, did you learn anything? Did you find some likes, dislikes? What was your experience? Um, I don't know that I've done enough to actually like really intelligent. I can give you my first impressions, I guess. Maybe that's what you're asking, but I feel like my first impressions, I feel like a go langest. I don't know if that's a proper term, uh, would be like, that's stupid. Um, but go langer, go linger. I don't know. Goer, gopher, gophers, a gopher is gonna, I think that's what the term is. Gopher, a gopher, a seasoned gopher would just kind of laugh off my first impressions, but, um, my biggest first impression was, dang, the ecosystem's large. And that's really just because I'm used to Elixir's ecosystem, which isn't small, but goes as gigantic in comparison, right? Um, and and I, I've been using IntelliJ for a while now, and IntelliJ has a pretty good Elixir plugin. And, uh, but that just doesn't compare to first party, like WebStorm and JavaScript, for example, or like Goland, the IDE was killer. So... Going through uh, some initial Go language uh, tours and stuff like that, uh, using the GoLand IDE helped me along. So I tried it in VS Code first, and I didn't really get that much auto-completion or anything. But I felt like with using the GoLand IDE, I was able to actually explore the language by using auto-completion. Okay, similar to like how like old-school Visual Studio works with dot net basically from what i've from what i've heard i'm not familiar with it but yeah i so i mean paul's always told me about that like even xcode right uh how xcode does so much for you and there's a time and a place for it but that was like my first time really experiencing it was when when using go because you know javascript webstorm can do only so much for you it does a lot but with go was another level and i think that's probably because you know go is a strongly typed language and and things like that. But yeah, that was my like first impression was like, dang, like the ecosystem is really big. Uh, there's tons of resources available. Um, and, and the IDE that I was using is, was killer. So I didn't have a bad time by any means. Um, I think really the stuff that frustrated me was, was just nitpicky language stuff. Like, um, I'd never used pointers before. I'd never had to be aware of pointers or use them or think about them at all. <laughs> uh, and you said, what did you say? You said, uh, be thankful you've gone this far without it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, and then just, I don't know, thinking, just like learning a new language, like strongly typed was cool. I think really the biggest pain point was I set out to, um, uh, so I, I have been using Prismic for a while and I have some blog content in Prismic and I wanted to put, uh, my blog up and I just, that's one of the things I want to do more is just write more. And, 
And um, so working with JSON really sucks in Go. Uh, when you're used to like a, a, a language that's not strongly typed where you have to, um, where you don't actually have to like build structs or like map it to something. And you can have interfaces that loosely map it to, I think it's a, a, a slice of strings interface. I can't remember exactly now. Uh, it's been a few days, but... Yeah, pretty, pretty much everyone's like, yeah, it's really going to suck unless you actually just define your own structs that map to it. Yeah, or use uh, protobuf, protobuffer, whatever, which is probably what, because that's a Google thing, and they'd probably just tell you to use that instead anyways, Right. which is a whole thing. But yeah, Swift was the same thing. I've heard it's gotten better. I haven't used the new JSON whatever uh, that has in Swift, but yeah, it was the same thing. It was just like you're digging through things and casting things and like praying to God that... You know, it doesn't blow up in your face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I did think was really cool was that the that, that Go itself seems to have everything you need in the standard library. So um, I asked one of the first questions I asked Greg, I was like, here's what I'm thinking of my toy project. You know, is there any libraries that you recommend? He's like, no, everything you'd want to do there is, is built into the standard library, um, which I thought was cool. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I don't have to go through and do the dance of checking packages, checking GitHub stars, checking issues, you know what I mean? Just kind of like evaluating stuff. I didn't have to do that. I could just rely on the standard library. I guess one thing I will say was the documentation, I we're so spoiled with Elixir, the quality of Elixir's documentation. It's not to say goes the quality of the actual documentation itself isn't bad, but how Elixir exposes it to you, the, the XDoc interface, the HexPM interface is so good. It really is. It's so good. So uh, the app I use for Docs uh, Dash, it's called, recently had an update, and it made the searching way better. So I just used that. Yeah, that makes sense. And from what I understand, Go executables, like the the actual binary or whatever you come up with at the end, like that's there's basically no dependencies on there at that, right? Like they run natively. Exactly. Yeah. Which is very appealing from like a tooling perspective like i know for example the cloud 66 uh which is like the web uh it's like like kind of roll your own heroku uh service that we use for hosting uh the rails part of rhr uh their cli is a go thing and like it's just like oh just download this thing and it'll run (laughs) it's just like crazy it's just like one file it does everything and it's just like I don't have to install Ruby or Python or, or I don't know, all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, it's great. To me, I mean, to me, that's sort of the appeal, right? So, like, I've been talking for a while about wanting to learn more languages, and what pulled me to go was, hey, I, I know somebody that knows it really well. Like, Insomnia's backend is built in Go, and, and Greg's doing, like, all of his stuff in Go. So I have a resource there. But B, exactly that, that point, you know, it compiles insanely fast. I think that was one of the whenever, – whenever you sort of, like, read an intro to Go – uh, article or even documentation, they say like the language designers wanted to focus on the speed of compilation up up front, and it compiles so fast. You type it and you're like, is it done yet? Uh, and Elixir's compilation isn't slow, but goes. It seems like it happens just like transparently in the background so quickly, um, and that that seemed really neat. But yeah, like you said, it seems like a really really good general purpose tooling language. You know, compiles to a single binary. It's really fast. Um, ergonomics are pretty good it's a small like the 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 surface area of the of the language itself 
isn't very large, right? Like the only way you can loop over stuff is by using four, for example. Um, and that was one of the praises I saw in different places when I was looking, when I was searching like forums and stuff like that, or people were like, you know, with Go, since it's such a small language, there's generally like a way you do something. And so when you hop from code base to code base, they're pretty, they're pretty similar because there's not a million different ways to solve a problem. There's like the, the way that will generally work. And that's sort of how, how people arrive at solving those problems, if that makes sense. Um, and that was intriguing to me. Uh, so, uh, you know, no knocking on Elixir at all, but it's, it's sort of like if you, if you go and search for open source Phoenix repositories, uh, there, there's not like, they're all, di- they're all completely different in how, how the actual business logic is implemented. Um, so I thought that was pretty intriguing go. I would say that's totally fair because I think the functional nature of Elixir kind of lets you organize things in lots of different ways because the, you know, the atomic unit of just functions being the thing, like there's lots of ways to call a function, <laughs> you know, and uh, when you don't have stuff like inheritance or interfaces or that kind of stuff built into language, people have to go kind of reinventing that that kind of functionality uh, and, and injecting things and that kind of stuff. I mean, you have macros, but macros can literally do everything, anything you want, right? So that's like kind of dangerous and messy when you think about it too much or if you, you know, use it in the wrong way. So yeah, like... I could totally, I could totally see that. I mean, at least we have mixed format, so at least the the styling is consistent, which is nice. And like you said, the docs obviously are are first class, and that's nice too. But as far as like code organization and code style, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that's all over the board. For example, like like I think I mentioned this on a previous show. The I looked at the application for HexPM, uh, which the website that hosts like the the main package manager for Elixir. And I just assume, oh, it's a web app. It's an Elixir. It must be a Phoenix app. <laughs> nope. nope. It's not. It's not even a plug app, I don't think. I think it's just like straight hackney, and then they just go into functions. Like, it's like such a, you could tell it was written by uh, Erlangers, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Like, like, the way it's laid out is so completely different from how you and I, coming from Ruby, would lay out and structure an application like that. Yeah, exactly. And And to go back to, like, the inheritance stuff you're talking about... Uh, I always joke now whenever I, 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 I made, I made a joke at myself, I think in our discord, cause I was posting about C sharp and then I screenshotted the inheritance. I was like, what's that? Uh, but one thing I thought was really interesting was I've been reading this book, uh, go in action. And, um, this, this struck me as really interesting because I, you know, I, I've, I've always said that object oriented and I like have never really got along. I never really like really grasped it. Um, and when I was reading through this book, it talks about, um, you know, like you said, you mentioned inheritance in Go because Go is not a functional language. Um, but it says rather than building a long inheritance structure, like client extends user extends entity, right? Um, Go developers build small types, customer and admin, and embed them into larger ones. So it's sort of like a reverse scenario. Instead of top down, you build the smaller pieces and embed them into um, the the larger pieces. But I thought that was kind of cool because that to me felt more akin to how I might do something with an Elixir struct, right? Versus how you might approach something in like Ruby or Java. Yeah, well, Ruby is Ruby is a whole interesting beast in that regard because I read the the Pooter book, a uh, uh, practical object oriented design in ruby i hope that's the title it is yeah i have it actually and 
I read that actually on <laughs> on my honeymoon of all uh, times, <laughs> and like it blew my mind with like because I was so coming from this uh, C sharp Visual Basic world of like uh, single inheritance and interfaces. That was kind of the two tools, the two like that was like your your hammer and your screwdriver of object-oriented programming in those languages and so when i get ruby like everything i was like oh i can just inherit and do things that way but like the way ruby does duct typing uh and and like you can basically get effectively multiple inheritance kind of functionality but you via like i forget the right terminology i think it's mixins basically where you like you define some behavior in a module which is just like a module like in Elixir is just a bag of functions, right? It doesn't actually inherently do anything or store any state. Just a bag of functions. But then you just jam that module into a class, and you can jam multiple modules into that. And like, as long as those things don't step on each other too much, that can work. And you get this sort of... Composition is not the right word, because that's a totally different pattern. But like, it, it sounds similar to what you were describing. It's, it's actually way more flexible, because it's just a... It's a superset of inheritance like inheritance is a specific case of this thing where you can only include like one thing right whereas with this kind of mod you can include lots of little things right and they all kind of play nice hopefully <laughs> well in my mind that jumps to view mixins for example when you say mixin yeah i think i think that's the right way to think about it yeah yeah so anyway i liked i, I thought go's approach was pretty interesting there because again like my my real object-oriented experience was with with ruby um and even then it wasn't super in-depth it was let's make rails work people let's get it, this app off the shelf you know um so yeah it, i don't know it, it's 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 fun coming coming back around and i think like for a long time with Elixir, I was like, I don't want to learn anything else because Elixir is like the right way to do it. It became sort of like my identity. Like, this is how I do it. I like this. It makes sense to me. I don't want to stray from it. Yeah, that's how you like stop learning things, right? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. And so now, uh, and again, like towards the end of the year, I, I was talking about wanting to explore some more things. But yeah, I definitely started doing that a little bit over the break because the stress of work was just not there. So I completely unplugged apart from you know, like the world's on fire notifications, like nobody else was working either. So it was a complete sort of disconnection, which was, was really great. And, uh, I didn't know it felt good. I, it's hard to describe and I'm, but I'm sure you know exactly what I mean in when you're sort of burnt out or stressed out like that programming. I don't know. It just sucks. It's like drudgery, like sitting down to, to do something that used to be fun, you just don't want to do it anymore, right? Uh, I probably approach that in trying to say it in a more complicated than it actually is. But yeah, like programming wasn't, it wasn't really fun. Working wasn't fun. It was, it was just stressful, right? And so removing the source of stress for a while and then getting into a position to where what used to be stressful or doing the activity that I associated with stress wasn't bringing me stress. That was really refreshing. Yeah, I totally sympathize with that sentiment. I and mean, it sounds like such a first world problem. Like, oh, I hate my job. It's work. It's not fun. Like, welcome to the club. But man, it's so true. Like, it's it's such a it's that it's such a killer to productivity and and motivation, especially when you're, you know, no one's telling you what to do. Right? You have to make yourself do things. 
you know, no, you don't have a, you don't have a manager. You're the, you're the CTO, right? So yeah, it can be hard to, it feels like a, like a trudge forward sometimes. And I've definitely gotten that a lot of the past couple of weeks as well. It's just like, but it's more a sense of like overwhelmingness. Like there's so much to do and it's like, I'm, I'm like chipping away at a mountain with like a toothpick. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's what it feels like. And, uh, that, that's my biggest sort of downer is, is not so much the, like, I'm okay. Just like going through tickets and like checking things off the list. And like, you know, uh, I always go back to this. One of my coworkers from Agile, and he was just like, "Sometimes you just got to write code, like you know, you just you just in the dumps, feeling like crap, like whatever you're working on is not working. Just just do something, like write something, and you know, you took your your kind of energy and put it into learning something new or just playing with it. Like it doesn't sound like you got very far, but you learned a ton, which is like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, but sometimes it's like, oh, I'll just plug away at this little." stupid bug fix that's been in the backlog for six months or, uh, Hey, I just want to add this little quality of life feature improvement that I've always wanted to do just for fun. Right. Even though it's not like on any roadmap or on any chart or whatever, like that kind of stuff I find helps keep the momentum going for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's hard to sort of justify working on that kind of stuff too, though, when it's like, it feels like, Oh, I should be doing real work, but this is fun work. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Because there's so much on on the roadmap, you know, like first of the year, first of your meetings, talking about roadmaps and stuff like that. So much stuff on the roadmap. I'm like, well, I could have been productive with that time, but I mean, it's like, but you were. It was just different, tangential. And if 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 I were trying to work, then I feel like the, the burnout problem wouldn't have made any progress. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, it's it's the lesser of two evils, kind of. That's that's not even the right analogy. Like. It's yeah, absolutely. It's like you you could just sit there and stare at it and get nothing done, or you could do something else. So so yeah, I mean that that led to some reflection, um, and and uh, so one of my coworkers, Chad, he's really big into meditation, which I've never really, I've never really been into uh, meditation and visualization and stuff like that, and uh, so he referred me to this app called Calm. So I downloaded it and started a trial, just check it out. And I forgot to cancel it before they billed me, um, as happens in, in I see like doing this, managing subscriptions with iOS, it's really easy to accidentally get billed unless you set like a reminder or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so now I have this app for a year and <laughs> I've been using it a little bit and it's, it's been, I don't know, it's all right. It's, I always thought of some of like the, the meditation stuff as sort of kooky, I suppose. Um, but some of them, like, I don't know, some it's, I guess it's like, it can be useful for reflection. And I think that's where I'm finding my benefit in it is, is spending more time reflecting on stuff. And so thinking about like, what do I want for 2020, you know, and, and what do I want for like my professional stuff, my personal stuff for 2020 and all that. And, uh, I guess really like from the experience over the holiday break, one of the biggest things is just like make programming enjoyable to myself again um and so far how i know how to do that is just exploring different languages and ecosystems and working on toy projects you know like through go for example the next one i want to start picking up is uh c sharp and uh some dot net because dot net core seems pretty interesting right now so uh, probably gonna be digging into those two things you know obviously alongside of 
continuing with Elixir and all that. Um, but that's really one of my main goals is to like figure out how to make this enjoyable again. So like with music when, so basically the same thing happened to me with music, right? I uh, burnt out and then I was like, screw it. I'm done. I'm doing something else. And I don't really want to do that with programming. Uh, so now I'm sort of like learning, okay, how do I rehab that feeling instead of just burning it down? Do you have like a specific idea or like, I don't know, you're just going to, just going to do it. Do you have any specific maybe projects in mind? Or, I mean, you mentioned C sharp. I think that's cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what you think of that. Cause you know, Paul and I are uh big proponents of it, even though we don't get to use it day to day, you know, I see on this list, you got play more guitar, read more books. Yeah, so playing guitar, reading more books. I, I guess like I got that idea from uh, I keep mentioning Greg uh, this episode, but he he rebooted his blog and he has this blog post kind of reflecting on uh, 2019, and that was uh, his big takeaway was like your his his 2019 takeaway was like pri- prioritizing his health. That's what he really focused on, and so he was talking about he started 2019 being burnt out and all the stuff, and so. Uh, as an answer to that, he decided to pursue some creative hobbies and, um, that ended up helping him out quite a bit, which is, you know, what I'm hoping for. So my creative hobbies are a little bit different. I'm not an artist. He draws really, really well. I don't know if anyone has seen some of his drawings, but I think he might've shared some stuff on Twitter. But, um, for me, that's, you know, playing guitar and music. And so maybe 2020 can be the year where I can stop associated those, stop associating those things with stress. Um, like they used to. So like picking up a guitar, I've been playing guitar for like 17 years now and picking up a guitar for the last few years, just in my mind, it was like, Oh, this was a stressful activity. Um, it's not a fun activity. So I just sort of let it go for a while. And so for me, when I think about picking up a guitar, it's like, I look at it and it's like, I used to know how to speak Spanish really well. Now I don't. Sort of feeling, you know. The thing is, you're probably still really great at it. I I don't know. It feels like a foreign thing, but I don't want it to because it's been a part of my life for so long. But yeah, maybe like for twenty, for me, twenty twenty is learning how to disassociate stress with things that I enjoy, learning how to compartmentalize those things and manage that. I like that. That's a good goal. It's a very good goal, especially the guitar thing. Like, I totally get you. Um, I for instruments that I've played, um, I actually started on guitar. Um, my dad was big into like folk music and bluegrass, so he actually built two guitars, like acoustic guitars, in his wood shop, which was like insane. I still have them; they're it's you know crazy. But uh, and he made like a smaller one for me, right? Because I was younger. But I basically learned with him. Like we would take lessons together, and uh, we would play music together, and we did like talent shows at our church, right? Like that whole thing, and. Uh, but so I learned on guitar and like, yeah, it was the same thing. It was always like, you got to practice 30 minutes every day. And like, and then when I picked up violin in school, it was like, you had a practice sheet where you had to like write down how many minutes you practiced every day. And like, you got graded on that. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I got a private instructor and like, he had, you know, really, he was really, really, really good and had like really high expectations. And yeah, it just totally becomes this like grind of, like I have to play music this exact way. And then I would go and like hang out with these uh, guys that we know uh, that are fiddlers, you know, they, they play like bluegrass and mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. And like, you literally just go to their house and they've just got like cooler full of beer and like, they just play music all night. 
That's all they do. And they're so good. They're, oh, they're so, so good. good there's too. no sheet, not a, not a piece of shoot music in sight, right? Yeah. Or like I even went, I even went with my with Jess's dad to the bars. He would just go and bring his guitar and play music, and like it's just like crazy. Like it blew my mind that like. Yeah, again, you can have fun playing music. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but when you grow up in like such a rigorous, you know, uh, you have to play music this way in this style, learn these things, audition these things, play these pieces. And then like, it was so funny because I'd set it down for a while, right? And then you go and pick it up and it's like, oh shoot, like I actually know what I'm doing. Like I can, I can... I can like pick things out. I can pick out chords. I can pick out bass lines. I can like, I can noodle around on the guitar and like play things that I hear now. I didn't even know I could do that, you know? And because I never tried, I guess, I don't know. I always surprise myself. I guess, I mean, it, you you sort of get into like, this is, you get used to doing what you know how to do, I suppose. So again, that's just like programming, but with music, uh, you get used to practicing a certain way. You get used to playing the same chords the same way. And so being creative becomes difficult because you sort of set up a framework for yourself that you don't really realize. And if that's reinforced with practice and, you know, it's hard to break out of that stuff. You sort of have to remove yourself from that area or from, you have to put your, you have to put yourself in a totally different situation to sort of break out of it. Like you're talking about, and maybe that's what I'm hoping to do with go or C sharp or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you do have to practice to get better, but you should be, yeah. If you want to, if it's not like your job, like it's okay to do things you enjoy as like a path to getting better. Right. Like for example, here's another example. Uh, would you rather like go to the gym and like, you know, do some routine and like run on a treadmill for, you know, an hour? Or would you rather like go play pickup soccer with a bunch of guys down in a field? Right. Like it's, it's like you probably burn the same calories, you know, but it's like you can, you know, have fun doing it or you can not. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I kick a tennis ball at Watson. So he, he has fun running. That, that counts. That counts. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a, it's a good point. I, and really like, Another thing that I'm still kind of working through learning, and this is something that you know I picked up with music, is like you can, you can noodle, but that's not practicing. So I used to teach guitar for a long time, and I would have some students when they practice, they practice. There was a goal. They they knew what they were doing. They knew what they wanted to achieve. So they set up exercises or helped them set up exercises to get them where they wanted to go. And then there were students that wanted to noodle and call that practicing. And I was like, you'll never progress past a certain point doing that because you need to focus on areas. You need to isolate things. And that's really the only way you're going to get to a certain level uh, without without the focused sort of cerebral practice and, and approach to that. You, you just won't get past a certain level, right? So you won't get past that level of going into guitar, guitar center and playing the beginning stairway to heaven, right? Like... That's just that's just how it is for some people unless you apply a different approach. And it kind of sucks because that can definitely kill the joy of, of doing it. But I don't know. I Like going to, uh, if you go to a Barnes & Noble or whatever and look in the tech section, you'll see a book written by Ninja, the Fortnite guy. Uh, he wrote a book on how to get good. And you can go into any section of a bookstore and read a book on how to get good at investing, how to get good at playing guitar, how to get good at video games, how to get good at programming. And the principles are all the same, right? It's like you have to isolate things and get better at things in isolation. And then you start to build the whole picture, right? It's really funny just to like 
bring it back around to development is that uh, we, and I guess I'm talking about the Royal, we as developers don't always have the, that luxury of quote unquote practice. Like a lot of times when we're learning things, it's in production. Like you're on stage and you're like <laughs> yeah. learning how to, you know, uh, structure a program that just functions. <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, people make their, you know, run a business off of that. And that's kind of crazy. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, like you can, uh, obviously you learn from that and your next project is always going to be better and whatever. And like, you can always take courses or work on, you know, like you said, toy projects to like get better at that stuff. But it's hard to practice if you don't have a real thing to work on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm going to mention Greg one more time. Hey, Greg. Uh, he, he wrote this blog post. We should, can we just get him on here already? Greg, yeah, can, uh, we, can we, he's, can we just, uh, add him to the call? He's verbally agreed to it. So coming soon, just got to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he wrote this post uh, on December 17th, actually, and I thought this was cool, and it really hit me pretty hard. Uh, it was called Stop Calling Them Side Projects, um, and I don't want to read this whole post. Hashtag don't call it a side project. Uh, but he says he sees a lot of people in the software community continually bringing up the same problems and questions regarding side projects, like should I launch it, or I never finish my side projects, or should I charge for it, I don't have time for it. Um, and he's like, Hey, I don't know how to respond to that. Cause like, what is, what is a side project that's too generic? And so basically he was like, all right, we should categorize these things. Like, so what are the reasons why you might do a side project? Well, one's for amusement, for entertainment, right? Um, one's for study, maybe to expand your knowledge or learn something new One's to experiment. So like maybe proof of concept, for example, um, another one's a product, like something you want to release publicly. And then there's another one's a business. So that's what you want to charge for. And I think last year when I was wanting to actually like make toy projects for learning, I'd always complain, conflate that with like, well, could I eventually sell this? Which is almost like a non-starter, right? To to even just make something for fun for learning, right? If you start to throw that in the mix, you kind of like shoot it in the foot out of the gate. Uh, so I'm glad that he wrote that post because it's like, oh, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me before, but like. I could totally just spin up a new project and like delete it tomorrow. And that's fine. It's fine to do that. It's whether it was for learning, whether it was for fun, like, Hey, it's okay to do it for fun. It's okay to like make something for fun and delete it later. You know, uh, I had never really thought of it like that. I guess I just get so caught in the like indie hacker mentality. We always got to be hustling. We got to be selling, 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 you know, uh, which isn't true. Well, I just, I just want to add to that. Like, Forget about the business, like the money worrying aspect of it, because I, I, I find myself more and more falling into that trap as well. Forget about that aspect, like just even doing something and not even sharing it, right? Like there's there's still there's always this mentality that I have to open source my work, mm-hmm. uh, so I have to share this. I have to write a blog post about this. I have to like generate some content from this like time that I spent basically writing like scribbling on the back of a napkin, right? <laughs> right, like, right? Like you don't have to turn it into a product. It doesn't have to enhance your brand. Like it's okay. Uh, cult of done. One of the rules is destruction is a form of done. Like it's fine <laughs> to do something as a learning experience and move on and not like turn it into a whole thing, capital T thing. 
that that's even like a step removed from the business thing but i just think that's worth mentioning because it, again it's so easy it's like we see these people and they're like get this kind of imposter syndrome where oh you like greg do we know greg do you know greg <laughs> we might have mentioned him recently i don't know what you're talking about he makes this awesome product and he writes this He's, you know, started his blog and like we chat with him and he's doing all this cool stuff. And it's like, how is he so productive? How is he so successful? And it's like, yeah, but think of all the stuff that you're not seeing that he's doing. Right. It's probably it's probably a lot. And that's OK. Well, so in his in his post, um, his seminal post 2019 year in review, prioritizing health, um, this 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 beautiful post here um he mentioned a book called The Power of Habit, which I've definitely read uh, and forgot most of. That's It's interesting to think about that anyway, right? I, I read somewhere, and it's hilarious that I say I read somewhere and forgot where, um, but the person was like, books books only have so much value because you're going to read it and forget most of it right away, you know? Um, so just leave that where it is, I suppose. Take it for what it's worth. I don't know if I agree with it. But anyway, um, he talks about a, a book called The Power of Habit, which I've read. Um, and I apparently need to reread it, but he talks about in the book, how they talk about, um, the idea of keystone habits, which are habits that have a positive ripple effect in all areas of life. And for him, it was running. If he was able to keep running, uh, go for runs, he was able to feel good about himself, feel accomplished, which made him more able to tackle things that maybe he didn't want to, but ultimately, um, led to more productivity or more tangible things like blog posts or businesses or what, what have you. But yeah, keystone habits, it's a really interesting, interesting concept. For me, I guess that could have been jujitsu, like going and in, in working out and uh, having that, that, that physical and mental stimulation at the same time, right? Like I'm working out, I'm fighting somebody, but I'm having to think about it. It's like a game of chess. And I'd always come home and I would just be like, all right, I'm ready to work now. And between moving at the end of the month, I think I mentioned it that I'm I'm now in, in Santa Rosa, so I moved and Jamie's starting a new job and all that. We haven't had time to train. Um and then, you know, visiting my family, I haven't had to train, so I was feeling pretty drained uh mentally. But yeah, keystone habits, maybe maybe I need to to dig into that more because it seems to have worked really well for Greg. Yeah, and I I appreciate how at first he was just he's being really transparent about the business and now he's being transparent about his personal life, including things like, you know, his, his accomplishments from 2019 include like going to therapy regularly, which is not something you normally talk about, but is really important and is, you know, as important as your physical health and probably more important, honestly. I would, I would say so. Cause it does affect your physical health as well. Right. If you're not, if you're not well mentally, then, then perhaps you're not in a place to take care of yourself physically. You don't have the energy to do it, the motivation to do it, et cetera. So if only we had some way to get in touch with Greg and get his thoughts on it instead of projecting our own and working on that. <laughs> chop, chop working on it. But yeah, I guess that's, it's, I guess that's the long way around to saying like, here's what I was, here's my 2020 goals and what I think about it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I wish I'd given more thought to this. You know, I mentioned briefly on last episode about my, my business goals, but I really did not put any thought into the personal goals and I still haven't. So I'm not going to attempt to make them up on the spot, but I definitely will give it some thought because I realize now this is pretty important. <laughs> you know, it's not a resolution. New Year's resolutions is, is, is a sham. <laughs> um 
I like the idea of goals better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's a semantic difference, but you know what I mean? Like having something that you can look back on and, and see that you actually accomplished it and having a plan for it, I think is important. And so I think that's, I, I definitely need to spend time on that. Like I, that's what I take away from our discussion today is that, holy crap, like I don't even know. Like uh, 2019 was a lot like 2018 and uh, it's going to keep continuing that way unless I unless I make some changes. And I'm not unhappy with the way things are, but things could always be better, right? So, yeah, things could always be better. It's uh, I've and, and growing up, I was sort of always, uh, people, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. I I don't need anything. I'm all right. That's the American way. The, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily the healthiest way. So I've been trying to slowly change that and. Part of that is even thinking about what do I want personally for 2020, you know, uh, instead of shut up and get to work, you know, um, trying to throw some reflection in there. And, you know, again, thanks to Chad for um, even just, you know, talking about it because you know, he's he's he was we were talking about it when we met up and he was talking about how like he uses a few different apps for meditation. and He's gone on like meditation retreats and all that stuff. And I was like, all right, well. I don't know about going like sitting in a hot yurt, but I will download an app and check it out, you know? And I feel like even just by doing that, um, it had, had a positive impact on me. So, uh, it's probably worth me digging into more and maybe hopefully other people that, that might push them over the edge into checking something like that out and thinking more about them themselves in a mental health, uh, standpoint. And you wear your Apple watch every day too, right? Yeah. I turned the breathe thing off long ago though. That's what I'm saying. Turn it back on. It's part you, you could use it. Don't I don't need it punching me every hour. <laughs> but um even just, you know, just like I don't want to say childhood wisdom or adolescent wisdom, but like people say like, "Oh, if you're angry, take a breath before responding," you know. Trying to keep that sort of stuff more on the forefront. Like if something stresses me out, don't just jump into it right away. Try to try to find out why like so another thing that we did in jiu-jitsu a lot which i'd never really thought to apply to my my metaphysical self i suppose was you just sort of check in with your body so when you go and you start stretching before like the warm-up and everything they they would say like, all right let's just you know let's check in you know move all your joints move move your knees move your ankles move your fingers move your wrists move your head around is anything sore is anything hurt um anything tight you know sort of helps you become aware with how you're doing physically. Never once have I really like done that mentally. And I've talked about reflection in the past and I've always sort of stopped at like, how did that project go? Right. It, I've always stopped short of looking at myself in the reflection. What did I improve on? How do I feel about it? Exactly. What mistakes did I make? Yeah. Yeah. So sort of, I'm trying to sort of internalize that, like checking in with myself, like, okay, this, this activity is stressful to me. Why is that? I don't know, maybe this year will be the year I finally find the programming panacea, right? That's what we're all looking for. I don't want to write any boilerplate. I just want to get stuff done. I mean, if you wanted to do that, you could just write your whole business and... FileMaker Pro. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Was that it? Yes! (laughs) Long shot. You you know me. No, that was it. That was it. That's hilarious. I was going to say access, but no, I was reaching for FileMaker Pro. Just write your business at FileMaker Pro. It's fine. It's done. You You can do anything in there. If you're if you're searching for the the golden bullet, the holy grail of software development, uh, it's going to be a long year. Maybe set your sights a little lower. I don't know. Microsoft Microsoft threw me a hardball uh, at Ignite, so I think .NET's going to be it. Get some time with C Sharp, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about that.
I think that's copyright. We can't say that. Um, <laughs> that's good mythical morning. Let's discuss it. Yeah, I don't know. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. I just want to learn more stuff, more stuff, C-sharp. I will definitely be talking, asking you for help about C-sharp. I'm looking forward to it a lot because I love helping people. Uh, you know, I never really wrote Java, so this will be my first public static void uh, language. <laughs> Everything in Elixir is public static void. I, but I have never had to type public static void. Well, yeah, it's implied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, outro. We love feedback. Likes, comments, shares. Smash that like button. Subscribe. Comment below. There's no below. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to reach out to us and like and subscribe, well, we don't have YouTube, but you could follow on Twitter. If you want to do that, the show's Twitter address handle, as some call it, is DNCCast. I am Sean Washbot, and Shrockwell is Shrockwell with a C, S C H R O C K W L. Right, just like Greg. Greg is an S C H. Oh, that's right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Show notes are available at dnc.show on our fancy nuts page that Sean designed. Yeah, maybe I will write that in Go or something. I don't know. Oh, God. Haskell. We're going to pick Haskell. Um, we have some discussions happening over on spectrum.chat, so if you want to talk about the show, uh, we have a new thread for our episode, and you can reach us there at spectrum.chat. I'm looking at the page now, and it's got that exploding head emoji. And like, I know I did that as just a one-off, but man, it really fits. It's I really it, it, plus those those uh, Apple emoji are so detailed. Oh, I forgot that she did that. <laughs> when you blow them up to H one sizes, they're they're pretty awesome. Although the exploding head emoji is is pretty disturbing just from a conceptual standpoint. Like like there's pieces of yellow skull, like like fragments. Does that mean emojis are essentially Humpty Dumpty? Like what's inside there? What's in an emoji? His eyes are not even. That's not where emoji eyes are. It's Cadbury cream mushroom yeah. cloud. <laughs> that's why i smile all the time so sugar high as always thank you to the spec network for having us they've got all kinds of other great shows so go check them out design details fragmented uh swift unwrapped all that cool stuff spec.fm 